When you hear the word infatuation, what comes to your mind? Do you think of your first crush? Holding hands for the first time? Perhaps scribbling he or she's name on your notebook? It's sweet. Malt shops and slow dances. Or maybe a custom-made mixtape. No matter who you are, if you've ever been in love or had a serious crush, there's a chance you've been infatuated with someone or maybe even something. Merriam-Webster defines infatuation as just that, a feeling of foolish or very strong love or admiration for someone or something. Well, there's no better way to describe how Herbert Davis Groover III felt about Allison than infatuation. He was smitten with her from the moment they met. But there's also another word to add to Herbert Davis Groover's infatuation. Illicit. Everything about their friendship was just that. From the drugs, to the money, to the sneaking around, to Groover's ability to play on Allison's weaknesses. But did he take it too far and let his desires drive him mad? I'm your host, Allison Whitten. This is Mistaken for Missing. Episode 2, Illicit Infatuation. Allison had a way about her. She was beyond smart, funny, driven, charming, and from what I've been told, she could be incredibly persuasive. I don't believe she ever met a stranger. One man who knew this to be the gospel truth was Herbert Davis Groover III. Now, his name is a mouthful, so I'm going to be referring to him as Groover. You may also hear others call him Davis. Just know they're one and the same. Now, Groover was a great deal older than Allison. By about 20 years, he was just a few months shy of 66 when she went missing. They met two years to the day of Groover's interview with the Bay County detectives regarding her disappearance. To refresh your memory, let's go back. Allison was moving out of the home she shared with her boyfriend, Billy. Their relationship had run its course, and it was getting ugly. It was an emotional time for Allison. Groover lived just a few blocks away from them, thus making it easy for he and Allison to be close. Good for him, bad for Allison, and the relationship she tried so desperately to make work with Billy. Whenever they would have a disagreement or fight, Allison would leave and go to Groover's. This infuriated Billy. And I'm sure Groover absolutely loved having the upper hand and having Allison. He would pick and cause problems. He knew it got under Billy's skin. Now, I'm sure that he wasn't completely intolerable to be around. A lot of people I've spoken to said that she never had anything bad to say about him. When it came down to Allison being missing and what happened to her, or rather who happened to her, it's a house divided. People in this story are either Team Billy, meaning they think Groover is responsible for Allison's disappearance, or they're Team Groover, meaning Billy had something to do with it. And I mean, there is hardly anyone. In fact, no one I've interviewed or spoken with. Hell, I don't even think there's an official document that I've read that doesn't speak to the fact that one or the other is the reason for her demise. Now, Groover told the police 
that the last time he saw Allison was on the night of April 18th, which was a Monday. According to him, she had come over after she finished her last day of work. Remember, Allison was an accountant and was working at Liberty Tax in Panama City Beach. The pair spent what he says was a quiet evening at home. They drank, listened to music, Allison played guitar, they danced, did a little coke. She went to bed around 4 a.m. He said he woke up around 10 and Allison was angry and looking for the rest of the drugs from the night before. When he told her it was all gone, apparently she got even more enraged and stormed out the door, taking her laptop, her dog Winston, her guitar, and she left in her gold Ford Ranger. Groover told the police that he hadn't seen or spoken to her since. That was his sworn statement on June the 9th. And here we go again with the time discrepancy. Groover's drug dealer was also interviewed. Turns out, she too had been at the house on the evening of the 18th. And she also saw Allison there. When police asked her what she knew about Allison, her relationship with Groover, and her disappearance, she had this to say. She had developed a friendship, if you will, through Groover. She said that Allison was gay, and she really didn't care for Groover's advances. But she did what she had to do. She also said that Allison would call her sometimes, just to check on her. Not to get drugs, not to get high, but just to say, hey, what's up? How are you? And make small talk, which, side note, no one could be surprised about that. She had, in fact, seen her the night before at Groover's, and she did have her dog Winston, and her truck was there, too. When the Bay County Sheriff's investigators asked her if she noticed if Allison had been scared or upset about anything, she said yes. She said that Allison had been crying for days and was really upset, upset about Billy, upset about what would happen to her. She said, and I quote, if anything ever happens to me, he's cut me up and put me somewhere, end quote. She went on to say that the next morning about 10 a.m., Groover called her and told her about Allison's temper tantrum and her storming out. She said that she would be over in an hour or so. When she arrived at his house on the 19th around 11 a.m., Allison was gone. No Winston, no truck, no nothing. The interview then concluded, but not before she could say one more thing. When she was leaving his house the night before, Allison and Groover said goodbye and got into his vehicle. Now, she had only been there about 20 minutes, and she said it was dark. She wasn't sure exactly what time. We said our goodbyes. They got in his car, and they were pulling out at the same time I was. But if I was you, I'd look at them both, Billy and Davis. Now, that is a lot to unpack. And honestly, I am very struck by the fact that she was so candid about everything. This was weeks after Allison's disappearance was reported. I'm glad she spoke up. Why didn't he tell investigators that they went somewhere that evening? Were they running to the store to just get beer and some smokes? Or was he taking her to meet her fate? I've heard rumors that Allison ripped off two of his crack dealers. And besides Davis Groover, this woman was the last person to see Allison alive that we know of. This is the point in the story where things start getting ugly. There is nothing good that comes after this for Allison. 
On the last episode, I told you all that I was fortunate enough to sit down with Allison's dear friend Peggy Lynn Miller. At the time I recorded the first show, I thought I'd lost her interview. Thanks to technology, I have recovered it. I'm going to play it for you now. I want you to listen for what she says about Groover and his comments on the situation. Maybe it'll help you understand and get a better feel for the tone and the atmosphere that was around the neighborhood and around the time of Allison's disappearance. So I called Tom and I said, uh, have you seen Allison? And he started laughing. Tom is Peggy's father-in-law. His son is Terrence. Have you seen her? You know, like, what the fuck? Why are you laughing? This is funny. I'm freaking out right now. Uh, I, there's somebody that normally within two hours has I, can, called me. I can put my hands on. Mm-hmm. And right now I'm in like four hours. Passwording. Yeah. I was all in a panic. And, uh, oh. It's okay. I'm sorry. It's okay. Um, I said, have you seen her? Have you seen her driving around anywhere? And he said, no. And he said, uh, Davis said that, uh, she's probably dead somewhere. And I said, that's a terrible thing to say. And, uh, he said he hadn't seen her and he said that he saw the truck. Uh, he was getting gas at the express lane and saw the truck being towed and then, thank you, then he saw Billy at the carousel and, uh, right after he saw the truck being towed and said, oh, ha ha ha, you repossessed your wife's truck. That's good or some nonsense or whatever. Right. Billy's like, I don't know what you're talking. So I called Billy and I said, Billy, uh, where's Allison? And he said, I don't know. And I'm like, so, but you have the truck? And he said, yes. And I'm like, so what's up with the truck? Like, what's going on? And he said, you know, Maggie, it was weird. When I picked it up, it had been cleaned out. And I'm like, what do you mean? He said, there was nothing inside the truck. Really? Nothing? He said, nothing. He said, and I'm like, so what do you think? And he's like, well, I just assumed that she left me for that girlfriend down the road. So did you catch that? Davis said she's probably dead somewhere? Who says that? What in the world would make you say something like that? Davis blames Billy. Billy blames Davis. Many blame Groover about his feeding Allison's addiction. Did he give her some bad stuff? I've heard it all. The man is no saint. He does have a sordid criminal record. It covers everything from your basic parking ticket all the way up to aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. Still, I just can't grasp the fact that this old man that looked like Mr. Burns from The Simpsons could hurt his five-foot-nine, feisty, tall beauty of a woman. I came upon a story in my research that blew me away. It made me see the Groover theory a lot differently. In 2007, Groover unlawfully entered the home of another man on Panama City Beach. He was looking for his girlfriend. Apparently, the two had a domestic dispute earlier in the week, and she fled Groover's house seeking a safe place until she could get out of town. When Groover showed up and basically broke in, the homeowner warned him that he had a gun and called 911. However, the call was disconnected. At this time, Groover held a knife to the man and threatened him, at which point the homeowner drew his gun and fired twice. 
The first shot was a miss, but the second hit Groover in the leg. He then called 911 back to report the incident just as Groover slipped out the front door and got away. He turned up minutes later at a bar in the neighborhood bleeding and needing help. Now, I'll give you one guess who went to jail. Herbert Davis Groover was arrested, and the woman he was so hellbent on finding, she got away and got out of town safely. In the grand scheme of things, I fully believe that it all started very innocent. Groover was infatuated with Allison, and apparently she had that effect on people. But it's obvious that he did care about her. It also is very obvious that he had a dark side to him that was reckless, violent, and psychotic in nature. He was, according to most, a grumpy, ornery, rich old man. But for every two people that have said that, there's also been two people that have said he would move heaven and earth for Allison. He would do anything for her. Not one time did he avoid anyone's questions regarding his whereabouts or what he knew. He was very transparent. Unless you take into consideration the fact that he forgot to mention his drug dealer being present that last night. Or the fact that he and Allison left to go somewhere on the evening of the 18th. This isn't the end of the Herbert Davis Groover element of Allison's story. But in many ways, it is. You see, when I began my search for the truth of what happened, I reached out to Groover. He was one of the first people I tried to contact. I got no response. It turns out, Groover is dead. He died of cancer in May of 2020, taking with him his love for Allison and any secrets or knowledge that he may have had of her fate to the grave. I want to thank you all so much for tuning in again this week. Allison's family, friends, and myself are overwhelmed and overjoyed by the response to the show. Don't forget to tell a friend and remember to like, subscribe, and download and leave a five-star review. Mistaken for Missing is a weekly podcast available every Wednesday wherever you get your podcast. Head to mistakenformissing.com or follow us on social media. If you have any information regarding the disappearance of Kelly Allison Whitten, please contact the Bay County Sheriff's Office. Contact information is posted on our website. Until next time, stay safe. This is Allison Whitten, and this is Mistaken for Missing. Mistaken for Missing.